1: Being a working parent is challenging. But when you're a parent of a child with special needs, sometimes you need a little extra flexibility in your employment. Now, one woman is pairing moms and dads with employers who understand their circumstances and provide the flexible schedules they need. That's coming up in just a bit. But first, for well over a year, WBEZ and ProPublica, Illinois, have been reporting on Chicago's system of fines and fees. Each report brings new information, but there's always one constant. People of color in low-income neighborhoods have been hit hardest by the system. Mayor Lori Lightfoot has taken some initial steps to reform the city's practices when it comes to fines and fees, but tomorrow it'll be up to the city council to pass those proposed changes. Reshma Soni is the city's comptroller. She describes what the mayor's reforms are, starting with the city sticker program.
0: City sticker reforms, the main thing over there is that, first of all, we want to make sure that the debt that racks up from that, we eliminate that process. So in the old uh, system or what it was before, we had the two hundred dollar um, ticket, and then if you had late fees applied to that, that would also be two hundred dollars. So that fee became four hundred, and now we've reduced that from the two hundred uh, penalty to fifty. So now instead of being four hundred, it is two fifty. What about the boot?
1: boot reform? So
0: boot reform, we're just starting these reform practices. So we we all know we have a long way to go, but we wanted to um, just kickstart and get get everything running. Wanted to make sure that we didn't delay trying to do everything all in one shot. Um, So with the boot reform, currently what we have is that when you have a boot that's put on your car, um, you would have 24 hours to be able to take off the boot uh, before your car is towed. Now we've extended that an an additional 24 hours. So now you have 48 hours. Now you mentioned driver's licenses. Suspensions. Yes. How will that policy change under this proposal? Before we would be sending driver's license uh, suspension notices to the state for non-driving violations. Now with this new proposal, that process will stop as soon as City Council approves this, which would basically um, give us the ability not to send. Uh, the list if people have non driving violations. And what we hope with that is that, with that, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about the payment plans in a bit, that will help people to have access to get to work and be able to earn a living to pay back that debt. And, and let's talk about payment plans. How would that change? So payment plans, were looking at uh, lower barriers to entry. So Mayor Lightfoot was very passionate about this, and as we all are, to ensure that people didn't have high barriers to entry. If you had debt, you shouldn't be in a position that it's so hard for you to pay it back that the, the debt just keeps racking up. And with these new payment plans that are coming in place, you will have a longer period to pay um, if you have financial hard. Hardship, or um, even just the entry, whether you have financial hardship or not, would be lower, um, anywhere from $50 or lower than that.
1: What do you say to critics who argue that these reforms are essentially enabling people to break the law?
0: The issue is not getting the ticket. The issue is being able to pay back. Nobody wants to pay money for, for tickets. Um, this is a safety concern for us overall. And with the uh, reforms that we have in place, we don't feel that it would give people more incentive Uh, to just go ahead and keep on breaking the law what we're trying to do is create that pathway to compliance and create an affordable way for them to pay back
1: now we learned yesterday that this plan will initially cost the city 15 million dollars a year and of course this comes at a time when the city is facing an
0: 838 million dollar budget gap can the city afford this so 15 million is a very conservative number. We feel that the way the reforms are in place, we're giving people the ability to contribute back into the economy. Right now, the way things are structured, if you are not able to afford paying back, you're not going to pay anything to the city. And if you have a higher higher barrier to entry to pay back tickets, and let's let's say if uh, if you can only pay half of that, that basically counts as you're not paying anything and you can't get onto a payment plan and be in compliance. So then if that affects the way for you to be able to, let's say, have your car so you could drive to work and things like that, then it's not beneficial, you'll never be able to pay back. The way that we have the reform structured right now, and again, it's just the beginning, we hope that it would give the ability for people to contribute back into the economy, have an affordable way to pay back debt, get out of debt, and that in itself will create either revenue neutrality for us, or hopefully in the long run, even some revenue generation.
1: So longer term uh, revenue neutrality or revenue generation, but in the short term, where does this money come from
0: we feel that is a very conservative estimate and we obviously in government want to be conservative we don't want to be so aggressive that it it hurts in the back end we although we have our um accounted for this in our budget gap. Um, we do feel that, again, we will not have to bear that loss when we get into 2020 and we actually see the f- reforms kicking into place and people having those pathways. Um, a- in addition, we are trying to communicate this better. Of course, you know, being on this show is a great way for us to be able to get the message out. We want people to know about these payment plans. We want people to know that they can, there's ways for them to come and be in compliance in an affordable way. And we hope with that communication and these reforms in place will be able to create that revenue and people want to come in compliance so they'll have ways to get into compliance.
1: So just to be clear... This $15 million price tag is included in the $838 million budget gap that's yes. been quoted? Okay. Yes. Now, as we mentioned, these measures go before the full city council for a vote tomorrow. Um, we've been hearing from some aldermen that they have concerns. How confident are you that this will pass?
0: Overall, the aldermen definitely feel that this is a, a, a pathway to compliance. It is a good thing that we're doing. Overall, it would help the economy. Their concerns are, are ones that we've been looking into for a while and also feel that in working with the aldermen and collaborating with them, we can get through some of these other hurdles um, that they feel might be there. We want to make sure that it, you know everybody understands and feels comfortable with the fact that what we're doing is creating that pathway to compliance and hopefully it helps people to get out of debt and not want to get back into debt again.
1: And if these measures pass, how soon would they go into effect?
0: So uh, for the driver's license suspension, um, for the uh, reducing of the fine for the city sticker, and the 15-day grace period, which we we didn't discuss. But now we have this ability where if you have your city sticker expiring, you have a 15-day grace period to be able to buy it again, which was something we had in the past and we're reinstating it. These three will go into effect um, as soon as the ordinance is passed by city council. Now the city is
1: proposing an amnesty program focused on city vehicles, city stickers, um, that aims to bring people into compliance. Can you explain that?
0: I will say we should stay tuned for that. We are uh, working through all the details, ensuring that the program is uh, something that's robust and that we can implement. So we'll have some more details coming up in the next few weeks regarding that program.
1: And how can people who have lost their cars or gotten rid of
0: them uh, to come into compliance, will that be part of this proposal? So that will be more phase two. Our phase one was making sure that where we saw the most inequality, which was with um, city stickers and debt that's piling off, that we could quickly get that implemented with the help of city council. Our next steps would be looking into that reform for um, VIP and for booting.
1: And for lo- longer term, has a statute of limitations on ticket debt been explored at all?
0: We have not looked into that. The debt that is out there is something that's owed, just like you would owe it to anybody else for any other company or any other um, item that you owe money for. We are looking at ways, again, to bring people into compliance and ensuring that we can help them be able to do that.
1: Well, some of the most recent reporting from Elliot Ramos here at w- WBEZ is how Chicago was the only major U.S. city to ban rideshare drivers for parking ticket debt. Um, a recent investigation from our station found that more than fifteen thousand drivers have been suspended by the city this year because of parking ticket debt. Is that
0: something else the city is planning on addressing? So the fines and fees reform will help everybody, Jen, and this is something that would, of course, help the TNP drivers. Our main focus at the end of the day is safety, and what we want to ensure when when, when these reforms are being put in place, we are not sacrificing the safety. With the TNP drivers, when we look at the data, we're looking at over 70 percent of those tickets being uh, driving violations, red red lights, speed. And we wouldn't want anybody to feel when they sit into a, a car or anything like that, a TNP or otherwise, that there is a safety risk or um, that they shouldn't feel safe Driving through, so the idea for those um, those tickets and things like that is again safety and reform. Although we want to ensure that TNP drivers, which are very vital to our uh, community, are able to get these reforms in place, use these reforms to help them get back into compliance, and uh, help them to basically do, do what they're doing, which is you know driving and providing a service of transportation to all the citizens. Well, you
1: seem confident that this uh, proposal will pass through City Council tomorrow. But if it doesn't, are there other options open to the Lightfoot administration to address these concerns about debt for Chicago residents.
0: The feedback we've gotten from aldermen is they are supportive. There are concerns that they might have, but that's something that we can work through. Yesterday when we were um, discussing with city council during the finance committee, we had uh, discussed that we will be working together on reforms and or the rules that prom- promulgate this. So we'll definitely be working with the aldermen. I'm I'm sure that all the aldermen um, are very supportive, but they want to make sure that we're considering all the options and that's what we will do together working with them.
1: That city comptroller, Rashma Soni. Rashma, thanks for speaking with us this morning.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Jen.
1: Working parents know how difficult it is to juggle caring for their children while trying to also be a model employee in the workplace. For parents of children with special needs, however, that balancing act can be even more complicated, with many employers blind to the challenges or unable to provide flexible schedules for parents. Well, that's where Lakia Colquitt steps in. Her group, Promoted Parent, works to connect parents of children with special needs with jobs that fit their lives. Lakia Colquitt joins me now. Welcome to the program. Oh, well, thank you for having me. So before we dive into Promoted Parent, I just want you to talk about Some of the challenges parents who have children with special needs, some of the challenges they face when it comes to employment.
2: Um, Well, when you're a parent, period, it's uh, very difficult uh, sometimes to navigate the waters of being successful at both parenting and working. And when you become a parent of a special needs child or a child that's disabled, navigating those waters are even more difficult. So, for example, many parents who have autistic children have difficulty finding daycare, period, let alone finding daycare that will sustain them while they go to work. And you have personal experience with this. Is that where this idea came from? Yes, yes. I do have an autistic son, and I have another child that's two years old, uh, that is having facing some difficulties as well. And the one thing I recognized is that when I was working, I had flexible positions. I was a job developer, which allowed me to be out in the streets, often meeting with employers. And the school would call me for my son at least two to three times a week. And had I not had a flexible position where I was already out in the field, I probably would have lost my job. What other types of supports
1: uh, are critical for parents who are working and also supporting a child who has special needs?
2: I think the number one support that most parents are looking for is acceptance. Acceptance that our children, even though they're not neurotypical, that they deserve the same things as any neurotypical child. So we expect for them to be well-educated, for the educators to know how to teach them for them to be able to re- remain in school all day so that we can work, but in a healthy environment. Um, so really, honestly, we expect the same thing that any parent should expect. And we also would like a flexibility in our employment. And I, and I think any parent, whether they have a disabled child or not, should have flexibility in their employment as well. So talk about the aha moment, if there was one when
1: you said, you know, there's, there's a need here and this is something I can do.
2: I think my aha moment came when I told the principal of my son's school that she should just sign me up to be a volunteer. Um, They called me so much to help them with my son, which they were educated or should have been educated to do, that I realized that not half of my work day, but many of my working hours were spent negotiating with the school on the well-being of my son. So uh, couple that with job development. I did job development for over a decade. And so essentially I helped parents who were disadvantaged, low income, and I matched them to positions. A couple those two things together, the experience Mm -hmm. (laughs) plus the jobs. And I said, oh, wow, I can really help moms and dads who need more flexibility in their schedule. So how do you go about connecting to parents who are looking for the opportunities you can provide? Well, the good thing is, since we uh, don't really have a budget right now, most of us, this is a, a, a labor of love, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the good thing is uh, parents call in. They find us on social media, um, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Instagram. So they can call in or they can send an email and they can say, hey, look, this is my situation. I have a kid on the tube This is what I need. How can you help me? And so we don't just have one job fits all because, as, as you know, that never works. Uh, we want the employers to be happy as well. So we listen to that parent. We listen to their needs and the needs of their child. And we build a position uh, based upon what they need. Likia, I want you to talk a bit about
1: the kinds of jobs you can match people with because I think finding that kind of flexibility in employment can be really challenging.
2: It's like anything else. For me, it's, it's sort of like riding a bike, uh, when you go into a doctor's office, the doctor listens carefully to your needs or, or how you feel or what's hurting. Uh, because I've been in job development now for over a decade, you can just tell me what it is you need. Okay, I have a kid. He's on a G-tube. I need to work at night. Um, we get a Social Security check for him. It's $800 a month. I can't make more than $400. Hmm. And I listen to those needs, and then I find you a position. So for that particular mom or dad... That position would probably be customer service at night with an employer that allows for a person to work part time because we still want the parent to have a living wage. And how
1: are you connecting with the companies? And, and is that part an important part of this partnership saying we need to find positions that can provide the kind of flexibilities these, these parents need?
2: Well, you know, something that's interesting is that there are many employers now hiring work-from-home employees. The problem is many people do not understand or know how to get to those opportunities. If you go Google work at home, you're not sure what you're coming up with. You're not sure who to give your information to. So for us there's a plethora of jobs as a matter of fact uh, the work at home industry they're recruiting heavily oftentimes they have a shortage so we don't have to go to them and have them build a job specifically for us because there are thousands and thousands of jobs that they're just waiting to fill
1: when we talk about flexible jobs is it just about um part time or or being able to make your own schedule or does it include more than that
2: um it definitely includes more than that uh, uh one of the biggest things with working from home is it gives you the flexibility some even have a split shift some positions are full time full benefits right all of that but sometimes even just having that split shift in the middle of the day to go up to the school for some parents, to give their children that reassurance, that connection, and then they can go home. So, I mean, we can build it a lot of ways. We can help you find a, a full-time job with a split shift, a part-time job, a job with benefits. It just depends on the parent and his or her needs. I wonder
1: if you can share maybe a story of, of a parent you've worked with.
2: I have a mom. Uh, she has a son with cerebral palsy. The dad worked, and uh, unfortunately, he left the family. Uh, Sometimes these things can be or perceived to be stressful. Personally, I don't think it's more stressful than raising an average child. Um, He abruptly left the family. Uh, She had to go ahead and get Social Security uh, while going through a divorce. And uh, she didn't really know where her next dollar was coming from. Once the divorce was final, you know, she would have alimony, she would have child support. She contacted us. She told us about her needs. And within three weeks, I had her get a job with Sutherland at Home. It pays $15 an hour and has full benefits. And that's exactly what she needed to fill that gap until her other resources came in.
1: It sounds like part of what you're doing um, isn't just about jobs. It's also about connecting people to community.
2: Oh, certainly, It wasn't really until I got on Twitter that I saw just how powerful a community could be. Um, It may sound strange, but I found my community on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I found people that felt like me, that loved their children, that didn't think that their children was uh, something that was negative. And, uh, yeah, I'm just definitely trying to build community. I want parents to know that they're loved, that their children are loved, and that it's nothing wrong with our children. What's wrong is this society. How do you hope to grow Promoted Parent? Well, we eventually hope to come across a couple donors where we can build a database of all of these work-at-home opportunities that can be easily searched so that instead of helping hundreds of people a year, we can help thousands, if not eventually people all over the world. Mm -hmm. What has
1: it been like for you to find this place where your skills (laughs) skills <laughs> and your experience
2: converged and and created this new purpose. Honestly, it feels like a miracle. It feels like uh you know, I think most people wake up every day and they try to find their purpose in life and their meaning. And when I found this, it was part of who I am and part of who I'm supposed to be, it's magical. And uh, I just know uh, once the word gets out about Promoted Parent, how many parents right now, because I was one of those parents, are praying possibly or meditating for this opportunity. And I can't wait to bring it to them. That's Lakia
1: Colquitt. You can learn more about her group Promoted Parent at PromotedParent.org. We'll tweet out a link at WBEZ Morning. Lakia, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. Please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a rating. It helps other people find us. Another great way to get in touch is by leaving us a voicemail. You can give us a call with any feedback you have. Leave us a message at 888-915-9945. That's 888-915-9945. I'm Jen White. Let's talk again soon.